Good morning. It's time for your Thursday edition of Finger Lakes Today, presented by DeSanto Propane. I'm Nate Sharman. And I'm Rebecca Swift. Coming up today, we are talking to folks from Schuyler County EMS to hear about some of the challenges that they are facing right now. Um, we're reviewing Rose Tavern at Lake House on Canandaigua and talking about changes that could be coming to some school lunch programs in the United States. Certainly going to be an interesting uh, episode today, Rebecca. But well, first, let's take a look at the forecast. Um, interesting this is as we come up to this weekend, an Arctic cold front drops this evening. Um, expect some squall warnings depending on where you where you are location in the Finger Lakes between 6 and 9 p.m. Could get caught in one of those while you're on the road. And the temps are going to start free-falling this, this evening. As we get into tomorrow, we're going to see some frigid, dangerous colds in the, in the low dangerous? numbers. Yeah, it's going to be quite dangerous. Make sure, you're, make sure you're being safe when you're outside. Wind chills will hover between 15 and negative 20 all day tomorrow. But as we get into the rest of the weekend and early next week, we'll settle down a little bit. Um, we're actually going to maybe even hit 40 on Sunday as we see a high of, of that 40-degree 40, that 40 number which is going to be a pretty wild change as we, we're seeing uh, temperatures in the single digits to start the weekend. So um, as we get into the following and we get into early next week, maybe some scattered showers early in the week, some snow showers, but still staying in that 30-degree range as we kind of move on into, the, into, the, into February. So uh, going to be interesting to see. We're going to see our coldest weather, though, tomorrow and into Saturday. So like it's I said. It's all over the place. I mean, the yeah. temperatures are like meh. Right. We won't see a lot of snow, maybe some lake effect snow if you're along Lake Ontario in the next couple of days. But for the most part, going to be pretty clear skies, um, some, maybe some clouds here and there. But It's like a for, shock to your system. You know, yeah, it, it is. It's so cold and then it's mild, but your body's like, what? I think tomorrow morning is going to be a real shock to the system. Like you said, Rebecca, getting up for work tomorrow morning and walking outside. Uh, make sure you're wearing at least one coat and uh, being proper um, to get your car warmed up and be safe on the roads too as well. Definitely, and have your cup of coffee to kind of get you get you warmed up yeah. before you head out the door. And then may, even, may even be, as I would call it, a two-cup of coffee morning tomorrow it? morning. Yeah, maybe. All right. So, but for the latest, latest uh, forecast information, check out thefingerlakes1.com Weather Center on our website. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. Today in our featured story, emergency response teams in the Finger Lakes region are facing a number of challenges. For rural Schuyler County, we found out at the top of their list of issues are staffing and reimbursement for the organization. Sometimes they say they don't even break even since there are so few calls in such a large area to cover. So here's what we found out about the model they're using to overcome some issues and to continue to serve the public. What are some of the challenges that um, EMS services face in rural counties like Schuyler? So there are a number of challenges. And um, if I could just, uh, I'll go first, I guess. Um, I won't be polite, I'll go first. Um, the, the biggest challenges are, these are all volunteer organizations um, that volunteerism just isn't what it used to be. The, the world is different now than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. And people are just not able to be able to devote that kind of time to community anymore. Um, and, and so these organizations have morphed into more of a payer type uh, organizations. But the, the problem is high levels of training necessary, not enough people, and the business model now that you have to pay folks to do what used to be done for free just doesn't work anymore. The, the reimbursement process through insurances, through government insurances is very difficult to, uh, 
to keep up with with the expenses and, and rising expenses, not just in the short term, but we all know medical inflation is always significantly higher than regular inflation. Um, and in, particularly in the rural areas, we don't have enough calls and we're covering more distances. So it really takes our rigs out of operation a lot longer to get to hospitals, to get to people. And when you're in a city, you can usually get from point A to point B pretty quick. And there's lots of density in cities, so there's lots of calls. In the rural areas, fewer calls, longer distances to cover, um, and, and then obviously fewer volunteers. So there's lots of different reasons, but it all kind of revolves around having the personnel to be able to do it and the business model that just doesn't work economically anymore. Okay, Becky, did you want to add to that? Um, I might just add to that, uh, to what Fonda's saying, and Fonda, you did an amazing job, so great job, by the way. Um, I might just add that uh, every minute counts um, when you're responding to an EMS visit, and so uh, I think uh, we heard Dr. Stallone talk about this the other night in our opening, but minutes are critical, especially minutes to your brain and minutes to your muscles and what that means, and so when Fonda talks about that, you know, the, the benchmark for time is like nine minutes. And for us to be able to do that across one county, right, to have to have um, service in one county is amazing. And so um, being able to make sure people are getting the care that they need in the time frame that's expected is something that's difficult for, for any ambulance service. So um, what do you think are some of the things that should or could change in order to, I mean, it's a critical service. It's not like... Um, it's not something that's, you know, you elect to have. It's something that everybody needs to have available, um, and you never know when you're going to need emergency services. Um, so, what do you think? I guess, in your opinion, needs to change. Sorry, um, in order to. I guess the first part of that question is how critical of a situation are we in, and then second part of that question is what do you think needs to change in order to continue to provide good service to people in the area you want to take that one becky nope go ahead <laughs> you're on a roll <laughs> okay so so the biggest problem i think is the reimbursement model right because if it was profitable for for organizations to to do this in a, in a rural setting they'd be doing it right the market would 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 uh, would be successful. There'd be companies vying to come in and, and do it in, in smaller counties or more rural counties. And, and that's not what's happening. Um, it's I think it's important to know that you call this a critical service, but the state does not mandate or call this a critical service like they would fire or they would police. So changing that designation would, would actually be very helpful, I think. Although I don't know all of the legal ramifications for that. Um, it, it's it's hard to believe that uh, you know EMS services aren't on par with fire and police. So are they those, not so those are essential? Not in the way that police and fire are. Why so, is that? So that means I, I think we'd have to talk to our folks in, in Albany about that. Yeah. And Becky. So, well, so. I, I would just agree with what Fonda is saying in healthcare in general. Um, the reimbursement structure, the rising costs just don't keep up with the payment, uh, the reimbursement payments that you receive, right? So if inflation was 6% this year and your payments um, from the government, which here that's 70% of our population is a governmental payer, is 1% to 2%. 
um, then it just doesn't keep up with those rising costs. And that just makes it harder for people to operate and to pay people a living wage to do the work that needs to be done. And in terms of this reimbursement model, people get reimbursed through checks to pay the ambulance services, like they get a check in the mail that is supposed to go so that they can pay their bill instead of the check going to the ambulance service. And then people just keep the checks. Is that what you're talking about? So that's that's not specifically what we're talking about, but that okay. does happen. So I guess what, what maybe what we're saying is, um, let's say that you have to run a 24 hour rig, right? That's two people. Um, at whatever the rate is that they get paid. But but because you live in a rural community, you only see four calls during one day. The co the, co the reimbursement that you're gonna get from Medicare or Medicaid doesn't actually cover the cost of the people that you had to employ, right? But gotcha. secondarily, what you're saying does happen. Um, you think about like auto shops, like they, they run into the same thing, right? It depends on how your plan is set up and who they make payments to. And so if the insurance company does make the payment to the patient, um, the patient can cash that check, right? And they aren't necessarily obligated to pay for the service that they received. And then there's been new legislation um, in New York State in particular for healthcare services um, that we actually can't garnish anyone's wages. We can't put liens on people's homes. And so there's not really a good way to actually recoup that money without someone voluntarily paying that money to, for the service that they received. What do you think, um, and you can answer, like, if you both have something to say one at a time, however you want to do it, um, what do you think the strengths are of your current EMS service? So I, I would say uh, is the team. So number one, uh, we put a team together here, and and I'm not taking credit for this at all. There's a, there's a bunch of people that, that put this together that um, I think we said the other day it was 11 months time frame. Uh, since this conversation started till it actually going live. So the people that are here, um, we have a community that really loves uh, the community that wants to make sure that they're getting the services that they need. So it's the team that put the service together, but then it's also the EMTs and the paramedics that are actually doing the job. We have people that wanna make sure that, that people are being taken care of um, and they know what their uh, goal times are and they're interested in making sure that they're actually meeting those goals. So I'm gonna say the strength really is the people um, that this service is built on. And Fonda? And, and I would agree with that 100. I'd, I'd agree with that 110%. Uh, but above and beyond that, um, to, for the county to be able to collaborate with a wonderful organization uh, that Becky represents um, and Marty as well, and the fact that they're open to to really serving the community, that that almost doubles your your, your strength, right? When, when you're going at it alone, it's a lot harder. But when you have have good collaborators and, and good partners and friends that can uh, can join forces to do the right thing for the community. It, it makes everybody's lift just a little bit easier. Um, and, and then having the expertise of the hospital, along with some of the operational expertise of our emergency management office is an incredible synergy. Um, so of course it's the people, there's no question about it. And, and everything that I say, there's people driving all of that um, but but uh, it's always good to have people at the top who are thinking big picture. And, and I have to give credit to to Becky and Marty that, that they think big picture, they think community minded um, and, and to be able to join forces with them uh, is, is, well, you see the result, it, 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 an amazing 11th month transformation um, to be able to serve our residents the best we can. Excellent. And um, what are the goals of your service? Well, the goals are, are actually quite simple um, to meet the national benchmark 
of nine minutes of response time. That is that is the goal. Um, underneath that, there are a number of uh, of uh, financial goals, obviously, um, and critical quality goals to make sure that we don't just get there, but we get there and do it right. Um, and, and so those are all secondary goals. But the most important thing is to get somebody who's trained and able to help somebody at scene in a timely manner and, and to do it consistently and do it with high quality. Operate with excellence is the phrase we like to use. Do you, in your county, um, are firefighters, do do firefighters in Schuyler County respond as like to EMS calls? Because in Monroe County, they do. Like if you call 911 and you say you have like a medical emergency, they'll send the, the fire fighters. Is that, is that the way things are in your county or no? It, it, it is true too, because um, sometimes you have to get into a house and, and the fire services have permission to enter houses where the EMS folks do not. So so they, they join the call together uh, so that you can enter a house. Um, a lot of times our folks get to a scene beforehand, you know, if it's a car accident or something, uh, or somebody in a public building, they can obviously get right in there and, and treat. Um, but oftentimes you need that uh, that fire response to go along with the ambulance response. As much as they're showing up and it's a day where it's the person's worst day, the person that they're helping, their people are happy to see them. So it's it's such, you know, it's a, it's a difficult job being a first responder, right? could be the hardest job of all, right? The, the things that you see, the things that you have to deal with. Um, we are very fortunate to have a group of professionals uh, that not only know their technical skills, but have the people skills to go along with it. They're compassionate and empathetic people. Uh, that, that's what we've targeted. That's what we've been able to get. And we're very fortunate to have that crew there, very much so. And, um, and, and talking with some of my friends who are fighter fighters in the community, they're very happy to, uh, they, they've done nothing but rave about the staff that we've employed, the responses and how they're able to work together. So that's a bonus when you're talking about, you know, the firefighters responding and EMS responding together. Um, we already have collaboration and synergies that are so important. That's great. Um, so moving along to our next question, um, Actually, I already asked you the biggest challenge. Um, I guess, how did we arrive at the current service model the way it is? Sure, so as Becky said, about 11 months ago, um, right around this time, I guess, so So it's maybe just slightly over the, from a time frame, um, stakeholders got together to try and answer a challenge of how do we fix our EMS services? Uh, we had one of our volunteer organizations uh, say that we're going to close our doors. Uh, we just don't have enough volunteers. We can't spin up our rigs. We just don't have the people to be able to do it. Um, and that was kind of the impetus to say we really better tackle this. And so we've got all the players got together. We talked about what what are the challenges, what can we do about it. And around the June time frame, uh, we said it's about time that we not only just talk about solutions, but actually try and figure out what those solutions are. And over the next several months, the county, uh, in conjunction with lots of different organizations and and with uh, you know CMC and and, and Skylar Hospital, uh, we developed a plan, which ended up turning into to SEMS, which is uh, Skylar Emergency Management System. Um, it, it was 
pretty quick when you think about what we accomplished as a group. Um, but uh, it was necessary, and and we had enough dedicated people to, to kind of run it over the finish line. That's great, Becky. Did you want to add anything to that? No, I think that um, Fonda summed it up very well. I, I don't have anything to add to that. All right, great. Um, so moving right along, um, is the Skylar model one that other rural communities in our region could utilize? It's certainly possible. Uh, it really takes a dedication on both sides, both the county and whatever health system is operating in that county. Um, it's all about if people are dedicated to the idea and if they are, it can really happen. And, and I think it is a model for other counties to take a look at. I have taken a couple of calls from some other uh, county officials from other counties, just asking some questions, seeing, you know, it, what really was the underlying thought process behind why we went in the direction we did. Um, so I, I think people are starting to talk about it and talk about what we've accomplished here as a group. And it would not surprise me if if, uh, if we were the test case and, and others uh, did the copying. Although in this case, it's not like copying off your neighbor in grade school. This is this is okay to, to copy. Yeah. And we're happy to help anybody. What is but the We would model? be happy to help anyone. The model is a uh, collaboration between the county and, and, and a health system in which both invest time and dollars into a contract um, that, that uh, you know, Becky's organization takes care of and, and executes. Um, we hold that contract accountable as far as metrics are concerned, metrics of success. Um, and, and the county has invested dollars into this program to get it off the ground. Um, and, and the ultimate goal is for Becky's organization to take it over 100%, including have a, having the certificate of need um, and, and running it as a uh, as a standalone operation. I think um, I might just add just a little bit of color to that. It's just that we saw that uh, the best way to do this was to utilize the best of what both of us brought to the table. And Fonda and his team um, had a lot of the operational uh, knowledge necessary to actually get it off the ground. And we had a lot of the business operations available that we could offer almost a turnkey product uh, if we could work together in a way. And so this collaboration has been um, really good. We both bring uh, highly necessary skills to the table in order to complete that. And so I think, like he said, with the end goal of the hospital in the health system taking this over at the end of that two year period. Interesting. And now, so now I'm starting to understand why I'm interviewing both of you, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> now I'm like, okay, yeah. she's there, he's there. And now I'm understanding how you're connected. Excellent. Um, so um, what is your message to communities? And I mean, you kind of touched on this when you said you were willing to help and answer questions, but what is your message to communities that are dealing with similar challenges like staffing issues and reimbursement issues and all the things that we've uh, kind of talked about? So I guess the message I would say is, you know, get your folks together, get your stakeholders together. Um, a lot of the problems are similar, but a lot of the problems are going to be area specific. Every county is built differently. They have different personnel and they have different volunteer and paid service organizations. Um, study your problem, get your best people on it. And, uh, and if we can help, if, if our model seems like something that makes sense, um, that's great. If not, 
I, I'm, there, there's lots of different ways to, to, to tackle the problem. This was a great way for Schuyler County to attack our problem. Um, it might fit others, but, but there are lots of ways to, to, to get around these challenges. And uh, the best thing to do is folks in the emergency management area are very dedicated to their communities and they will do the work to figure it out. So um, there's lots of resources out there. Uh, big shout out to State EMS. They were so helpful in, in, in navigating us through all of the, the uh, pitfalls that, that could have uh, derailed us. Um, so there is all kinds of help out there. You just have to figure out what you want to do and ask for it. I, I would just say, right, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, and so if there's something that needs to be done, there's always people out there that are willing to collaborate. There's always uh, one more than one way to attack something. And so if you know that you need to get something done, don't don't uh, don't shy away when your first option maybe didn't work out the way that you wanted to. In this case, uh, we looked at multiple different strategies. And so keep keep moving forward. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And just keep moving forward and getting it done. And Becky, I feel like what you said is can be applied to so many different things in life. Like that attitude of like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what you just said was like, oh, she's right. It's I think that's inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I think as, as a health system, that's pretty much how we think most of the time is we're always looking for different and new ways. Um, how do you get things done better? How do we bring in collaborative partners to help us? And uh, a lot of things you can't do on your own, but when you reach out and you see who else is interested in helping, you can accomplish a lot. Yeah, amazing. I mean, it's very cool to think about. Um, so, gosh, I'm trying to think if I have any other questions. What? Okay, I'll open up the floor. What should? What would you like to add? What should I've asked you that I didn't? Something interesting that I missed? I, I wouldn't add anything. You know, you know, when Becky talked about the people that that are in this organization uh, that are doing the work on a day to day basis, she hit the nail on the head. We've got fantastic people. Um, and and wonderful organizations behind those people to make sure this is going to be a success. And, and I guess that's just more of a synopsis than anything and adding anything new. Sure. I, I think I would just thank um, thank the people that were involved in getting this decision making done. I think we've had great support um, and help from the bottom up uh, since the moment that this started. Um, and I'm just thankful for open minds and people who want to make sure that our community gets taken care of. So. Um, I think you asked all the right questions, um, and I think, you know, the sky's the limit. If there's something that needs to be done, just keep moving it. When we come back, we are talking sports, including some results from last night's Wayne Finger Lakes High School basketball matchups. Don't go anywhere. turn colder make sure you're able to be comfortable don't get left out in the cold this winter choose desanto propane over 8 million households already heat with propane because a propane furnace can heat air up to 25 degrees warmer than electricity propane radiant heat can improve air quality in a home by cutting down on dust and allergens and more 
Choose DeSanto today and see why for 80 years, DeSanto Propane is four generations strong as a trustworthy family-owned business with unmatched customer service. Go online at DeSantoPropane.com for more info. D-I-S-A-N-T-O Propane.com or call toll-free at 1-800-752-4574 today. Oh, oh, oh. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. This is Rebecca Swift for Dr. Jeffrey Halstead and Canandaigua Dentistry. Dr. Halstead has been Canandaigua's hometown dentist for more than 35 years. If you're looking for a dentist who offers routine dental care, as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures from a highly trained, experienced staff, Canandaigua Dentistry will go the extra smile for you. Committed to local veteran organizations as well as seniors in the Finger Lakes, Canandaigua Dentistry offers discounts for both, as well as an in-house dental membership program for those without insurance. The office is located at 3240 Middle Cheshire Road in Canandaigua, or you can give them a call at 585-394-5230. Visit CanandaiguaDentistry.com to learn more about the team and follow on Facebook and Instagram today. Today's program is brought to you thanks to support from Chichino's Pizzeria and Restaurant. Live, laugh, and eat well. It's the Italian way. It's the Chichino's way. Auburn Auto Group. Experience the difference at auburnautogroup.com. Finger Lakes Partners. Insurance for your life, home, auto, and future. Get a free quote at fingerlakesinsurance.com. Little John and Barbie Orthodontics. Celebrating over 40 years. Visit them online at littlejohnortho.com. Upstate Fiber Networks. Fast and reliable fiber internet straight to your home. Check for availability in your area at upstatefibernetworks.com. Midday Miris and Ricky, your hometown personal injury attorneys. Get a free consultation at midaymirisrickey.com. Now it's time to talk sports. Let's first go to the local high school basketball games last night in the Wayne Finger Lakes League. We'll start on the girls' side. Uh, the Waterloo girls got back in the win column, the win over Midlakes. They dropped their first game in a, in a couple years in league play uh, last week. So good to see them get back at the win column. Also grabbing wins last night on the girls' side. Wayne, Palmac, Newark, South Seneca, and Dundee Bradford. Um, and uh, continuing to have a good season. So uh, tonight in the girls' slate, uh, not a ton of games going on, but we do uh, circle one in Wayne County as Lions is taking on Gananda. That'll be a big game in terms of the Wayne County girls' standings. Gananda and Lions both having great seasons so far. Uh, flipping over to the other side of high school basketball, for the boys, uh, the Victor Blue Devils lost their first game of the season. We're previously 13-0, and now dropping to 13-1 as uh, they lost to Webster Thomas last night. Uh, in the Wayne Finger Lakes leagues, though, however, Geneva, Red Creek, Lions, and Williamson all picked up wins uh, to keep their season going. Uh, tonight with the boys, also a kind of a lower slate. Only three games. Uh, the one we're looking at is over in the Finger Lakes West as Bloomfield is taking on Midlakes um, to try to secure that crown up there at the top of the Finger Lakes West. Uh, so we're going to take a short break here on Finger Lakes today, and when we come back, we'll be talking about school lunches here on FingerLakes1.com.
Today's program is brought to you by Upstate Fiber Networks, Little John and Barbie Orthodontics, Finger Lakes Partners Insurance, Auburn Auto Group, Midday, Miras, and Ricky Attorneys at Law, and Chichino's Pizzeria and Restaurant. Dr. Jeffrey Halstead has been Canandaigua's hometown dentist for more than 35 years. Canandaigua Dentistry offers routine dental care, as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures from a highly trained, experienced staff. A proud supporter of local veteran organizations, Canandaigua Dentistry offers veteran and senior discounts, as well as an in-house dental membership program for people without insurance. Dr. Halstead and Canandaigua Dentistry is committed to providing you with personal, professional care. Whether you are searching for a family dentist or a cosmetic dentist, the Canandaigua Dentistry team promises to go the extra smile for you. Stop by the office located at 3240 Middle Cheshire Road in Canandaigua or call 585-394-5230 to talk with the team today. Visit www.canandaiguadentistry.com to learn more and find them on Facebook and Instagram too. Welcome back to Finger Lakes today. We are talking about school lunches. Uh, we've got a topic that we're bringing in Josh Durso for. Josh, good morning. Good morning, Rebecca. So what is going on? So this is a really interesting story. A uh, school district in California uh, is joining a bunch across the country that are uh, switching the school lunch model, kind of flipping it on its head. Uh, a lot of people, when they think about lunch, they think about uh, basically preheated, pre-prepped kind of food, stuff that's 
delivered, easy to produce, uh, that sort of thing. This model uh, is changing it from, you know, the chicken nugget style, turkey a la king kind of thing that we were accustomed to growing up to locally sourced farm to table uh, food, which for as the story that we uh, that we were featuring with this particular segment, um, some really good stuff. So sandwiches that go above and beyond the kind of sandwiches that you're accustomed to and more like what you would find, for example, here in the Finger Lakes, if you went to uh, a, a restaurant on Seneca or Cuga Lake mm-hmm. uh, or Canandaigua Lake. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this was because I think back to when I was in school and school lunches were depressing for a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, and I think because we've got a nice spread here generationally of, of different uh, people i i want to get a feel for first off we'll start with the good we'll start with something positive what was our favorite school lunch item when we were in school nate did you what was your absolute favorite thing um i like them all um i disagree totally (laughs) school lunches were not depressing for me in high school i like them all except for breakfast except for breakfast for lunch there's the only one i didn't like are you okay yeah, I love I love school lunch. My favorite part of the day. Okay, in high all right. Um, Jim, opposite end of the spectrum here. Yeah, I hated school lunch, um, but I did. There were some people that loved it, and um, and were there w- particular meals that you really liked? No, I didn't really like much of anything. I think you know I would get like the hot ham and cheese sometimes. It was on like a bun with a thick piece of ham, and but you know even like the cheese that was on there, it was just like not really. It was like a school lunch cheese, you know. Right. Process. Yeah, it's just uh, and and then I would get excited because uh, I actually remember when I was really young, um, you know, probably first grade or whatever, and I heard that they were gonna that pizza was gonna be for lunch, and I was like, oh man, that's gonna be awesome. I love pizza. And then I took like one bite of the pizza. I'm like, this is not the pizza like I know. Like I just didn't like the sauce, the cheese. Even at a very young age, I got turned off by it. And um, and then tacos. They came out around. We're gonna have tacos for lunch. I'm like, okay. And and then again, it was just like, all right, you know, it's okay. I guess you can put the salsa on there. But I didn't really like any of the school lunches. But and it wasn't also. I noticed with the people that liked the lunches and didn't like it, it was not a uh, economic thing or a class thing. You know, there were, whether there were some kids with less money or kids with more money at home, um, that didn't seem to be the differential. Um, yeah. You know, there was a lot of kids that came from real nice families with you know a lot of money that ate well at home that loved all the school lunches. Like people loved turkey a la king, and I was like, oh my god, that's I, the that's the MVP. Yeah, so the turkey a la king was my favorite. That was your that was your yeah. favorite. So for me, I went to St. Pat's K through eight, well preschool through eight, and Cath- that's a Catholic school. Yes, was a Catholic school for our was a Catholic school. R.I.P. <laughs> um, but for I don't remember what grade this changed for me, but we didn't have hot lunches for hmm. a significant amount of time. So. You know, we eventually switched to hot lunches. Cold which lunches? What did you do? Throw a brown paper bag at you? And it was like bag? literally sandwiches, stuff like that. Like there was no hot lunches in the beginning. Wow. Um, 
But yeah, once I went to Minders, I really enjoyed the breakfast sandwiches. Like I remember I would try to go early and get the breakfast sandwiches. But Turkey Alla King was king. <laughs> it was my favorite. I actually made it this year after Thanksgiving because I hosted and had a lot of leftover turkey. Oh, no, and it was as good as I remembered. Good idea. But yeah. your homemade Turkey Alla King was probably a lot better. Like the schools, it was just like yellow. And after, if it sat on the plate See, too I long, like... there was a film on top. Oh, yeah, I, lo- I loved it. It was, too. Does anyone remember the... Um, Minders people, the lady that was always like, you like the cheese? Yes, <laughs> of course, yes. Um, Rebecca, did you have a standout or were they all kind of equally meh? So I went to school on Long Island and on Long Island, we have really good bagels. So they would source the bagels from actual bagel stores. And so the bagels at my school were phenomenal. They were like New York water bagels. They were amazing. So you have sandwiches with bagels as the bread or just bagels with just cream bagels cheese? Just bagels with cream bread. cheese, but the bagels were so good. I, I mean, I used to get one of those every day. And of course I was running track at the time so I could eat like a bagel every day and it wasn't really a big deal. But um, the I liked, I mean, I would only eat, I would never eat meat. I was always weird about meat in general. So I wouldn't eat meat from the school. I would only eat like the pizza or a bagel. It sounds to me like that is kind of a bit of this model, uh, this locally sourced, because I'm assuming that that was not being shipped in on a Cisco truck. No, it wasn't. Um, Now, obviously, cost is the big prohibitor here, right? Like cost is the big thing that every school district is wrestling with when it comes to putting on a quote unquote better quality lunch for students. Um, But the idea with the program is that you start to change things up a little bit. You start to get private, uh, the private market into it. Uh, I remember visiting a high school when I was uh, 17-ish years old out in Ohio, and um, they actually, every Friday, would have a local restaurant come in and basically set up shop, and the school there would fund it so that the students would get their lunch or could get their lunch if they wanted to. It was an option. It was basically kind of like an over and above beyond what they were, (coughs) excuse me, just serving by default for lunch. Yeah. But it was a part of your school lunch package or do you have to pay extra for it? No, it was just, it was covered by the school. It was just kind of like a throwaway thing. I think it was, I think in that case, the, the restaurants that were doing it were kind of using it as like a marketing springboard for themselves. Yeah. Getting into schools. Um, But it was interesting because, you know, when I think about school lunches myself, you know, turkey a la king, it was great, except there was like no turkey in it. Yeah. It was just like potatoes. I don't know what it was about, like those processed potatoes and gravy. It was just an exciting day. For me, the the volume was always, (laughs) and like, I think I was kind of, I think I graduated towards the end of the junk food line era. So when you had, when there was like an actual like junk food Yeah, that line. was my lunch every day. Right. Uh, like hot fries maybe, um, Slim Jims, And ho-hos. it was a lot of times more fill, like you could get more caloric load going through the junk food line, albeit bad calories, than you would get eating the regular school lunch. I remember, you know, other than pizza day, there really wasn't a day when I like after lunch was like, oh, I'm full. Yeah. And I was a 130-pound string bean. Like, there was no – like, I couldn't even imagine the, the athlete – how the athletes felt after they left yeah. lunch, like, where, where they were. So, you know, that to me is – if you're going to change anything about lunch in the future is that, like, locally sourced is great. But we also probably need to, you know, shake things up a little bit and make it more 
filling for students. Sustainable too, probably. I wonder what is like. A, I wonder what a school lunch costs on average now. Like I said, That's a good question. In the article. What is it? Two eighty-five. Two eighty-five. I think that was in California, though, so it's probably similar. And it's. I mean, I remember. I. I think. It was like around a dollar fifty. Two ten yeah. when I was in school. When I was in, so there you Two go. It's, I think I think it's five to ten cent increase per year is probably pretty standard. So you can do the math right. from whenever you graduated and probably come to around where your district is now. Lots of pushes to make school lunches um, universally free in New York State. Yes. You never know. It could happen. Um, well, it should happen. Session. Honestly, I mean, you just look at the size of our national debt right now and you know you think of like when i think of like government and society like we can do whatever we want really or whatever we're able to do but we waste so much so many resources focusing on uh things that don't really matter or affect daily life but in a perfect world all school lunches should be free it's the most essential thing the kids are there they have to be there and i never is a kid realized until i got older geez how many other kids were really relied on that meal as their best meal of the day for sure 100 percent. and so that's why you know a lot of times they administrators don't want to cancel school for consecutive days because of um you know weather or whatever because they know that there's going to be a small percentage in mm -hmm. some districts a large percentage of, of kids that are not going to get their nutrition over that yeah. period of time and they provide breakfast in the morning too so just so yeah. two important yeah. meals two of three two of three meals yeah. a day it's Very not important. insignificant and there's some backpack programs too where they'll they'll provide Send you with home. with additional meals if needed which those especially locally cool. here um the one doris wolf started in waterloo it's a great example but the backpack programs are amazing so so important another question is if we could add one thing if you could pick a meal to add into the school lunch rotation one food item, what would it be to shake it up? Chopped salad. A delicious chopped salad with a ton of veggies. Uh, you know, like a homemade dressing. Something that's delicious that kids would actually like. Or like a Caesar salad with little bits of pasta in there like the Gatehouse does with its Ellison Caesar. I mean, you're getting like a full meal. You have a bread. Don't I don't know why I, I was going to say a Caesar salad. That checks off all of that checks off all the boxes. Having yeah. the option of like something healthier, I think is is really important. Yeah. I think the second option needs to like I remember when I was in school like the second option was always like peanut butter and jelly. Right. Which for me <laughs> we had like three op three or four me, options. Yeah, I, I think school. they've. I think schools have like slowly like added, um, added things. But I think when you look at some of the poor districts uh, across the country that struggle, the options don't really roll as deep. You know, I think of things like it's. Uh, this sounds silly, but like a grilled cheese should be easy to pull off for any school district any day of the week, right? Like yeah. that should just be a daily option, um, and it's more filling obviously because it has the the carbs from bread and stuff like that that would be if i'm going to add something i wouldn't even say like add something complicated like a a, sal a salad that seems kind of complicated but like just little things like a grilled cheese i was know. thinking too no. my second one i was thinking a caesar salad and then like <sighs> a turkey club i feel like yeah. that's easy yeah. to make it's bacon and turkey if i if i was a chef of a school um I think every day I would always have a like a one pot type of meal like goulash or pasta visual oh, yeah. 
um, easy to make. It can make it good, right? And, chili. And, yeah. And Ch- just, yeah, you chili. Know, you're able to just, uh, and then, you know, if you have leftovers, you save it and go through it the next day. Yeah. I feel like the food pyramid back in the day, back when I was in school, was really mis- misleading yeah, like, to then what it is today. Like I just, I was just looking up like food pyramids and it used to be that you were supposed to have a, a, the biggest amount of bread, rice, pastas, and grains. But I feel like that just turns to sugar in your body, right? So, it, but then they have at the top, use fats, oils, and sweet sparingly. So like the food pyramid as it existed when I was in school, I feel like is is that still i mean i'm i'm trying to figure out if they've changed it it looks like they have where you need more vegetables than anything else and then grains fruits and proteins are sort of aside to the the vegetables yeah i mean the the whole idea behind that was and this is kind of a fit, this is a fitness thing more than it is anything else carbs last the longest that's um, it it's the long it's the the longest form of energy that you can possibly have more so than protein loading up on loading up on bread uh, that's why, like runners, if you're running a, a really long race, 10k, 15k, you will you will load up on carbs. Carb, carb up the yeah. night before with a big pass. Like Michael Scott. And, yeah. But um, <laughs> the uh, the dairy used to be a big part of the food pyramid too, and I don't think that's thought of as an essential part nope. of a balanced diet Was anymore. Was the milk that you got? With your school lunch, not the most insulting part of the entire proposition. Do you mean like the little carton? It was the <laughs> smallest. It was like a two swallows of milk. I it's could like, never oh, drink what are we milk doing? out I don't of those cartons milk. either. I don't drink milk. Really? Oh, I like God, milk, I can't do milk. Those not a milk person. Wait, you just couldn't drink it out of the carton at all? I just don't drink milk. I didn't like the way uh-uh. it tasted I don't like out milk. of that, those little cartons. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember I'm really picky. I mean, I'll eat anything, but there's certain things that... And that those milks, milk out of those little cartons, I didn't like it. Okay, I'm the complete opposite. I literally think like there's nothing. Oh, I love it. Milk. milk out of the carton is elite. I just the wish best. the what carton are you was a calf? Like, or are you a baby cow? Because <laughs> no, milk is meant for calves. Like technically, it's not like meant for humans. It's meant for a cow's baby, a calf. I cannot do milk. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm with Felicia. I'm not yeah. talking about drinking whole milk. I'm not that kind of savage. I'm it's talking still, about even like, skim is like, just. Ugh. I remember like when funky... we were younger, like Brittany and Sydney would we would sit down for dinner and. They would always have, like, with their meal, a glass of milk. And I thought it was the most disgusting. I did that a lot growing up, too. Yeah. That was a. I used to drink milk with dinners at home. Uh Big uh -uh. glass of milk. Mm -mm. No. It's good for the bones. Yeah. Yeah, That's building strong bones. Yeah. I mean, mean, depending on how it's. I think there's there's arguments against that that it's not really as good for your bones because your body doesn't really process it in the way that like it, it's heavy in calcium but the calcium that we are able as human beings to absorb and put toward good use for our bones there's an argument that milk is actually not that good for your bones so I don't know I'm sticking against I'm sticking I, with Felicia I, I would say I'm not sure what else you would what other kinds of like liquids other than water you would put with a school lunch because you can't do juice in my opinion juice should be banned from everywhere because it's just it's as bad for you it's, it's really just as bad as soda so good. like you might as well be be drinking like a full sugar soda yeah I think milk is lunch. the best option water. Yeah, in terms of wa- in terms of giving kids uh, something to drink whether it be water but water was also available for us so I mean, milk came with your with your lunch, and it's wonder, it's filling. Yeah. I wonder if there are any good school you. districts that do like uh, seltzer waters. That's an interesting point. That's a really good idea. Because that's I think kids uh, can eat and process anything. You know, like when I was a kid, I fair. could eat anything. You know, and just still be good to go. It was only till about my early 30s that it started to like not be able to just put anything I want in my mouth with yeah. no repercussions. And 
Um, but back to the, like the locally sourcing, it's, there's a lot of pressure. You have to deliver if you're a cafeteria. You know, you have to deliver food to feed all these kids, and and so if you're relying on locally sourcing, it seems like it would be more tenuous. Like a certain day, this delivery didn't come for whatever reason, and what's your yeah. backup plan? And um, but I don't see why it necessarily has to be more expensive than than the other way. It, maybe the expense would come on the prep side. Yeah. Which I think is one of the points that the article made. And even, Nate, you and I were talking about that before the show today. It's, you know, you're treating a school kitchen, which is a lot like a conveyor belt processing things, and you're turning that into basically a, a commercial kitchen in the sense of, like, being a restaurant. Yeah. And having to do all of the things that go along with that. So hours and hours of prep before serving prep starts, and then... And then you know, another issue: menu creation. There's, there's Once, a lot if you even did all that, um, kids have certain allergies, right. certain requirements, <laughs> certain things that they will or will not eat. So when they're doing the way they do school lunches now, with the kind of like a process mass produce, it's all like set to accommodate right. that. Mm -hmm. So if you're locally sourcing things, you got to be a little more careful with that. And um, you know, if you're making dishes on the fly, you, it would just add another layer of complexity to it. But um, you know, maybe if, if it could be like a combination, a hybrid of the classic, you know, processed lunches with one or two different options every day for something different um, that was made fresh. I think what you'll end up seeing is like what this, uh, what some school districts are doing out in California and other states is start to integrate it. Right. And over time, slowly yeah. let that become the norm yeah, as the process sense. as the process get better and you you become more efficient at like figuring out you know maybe during certain times i think about the northeast schools in the northeast um southern california obviously a lot different climate than new york um there would be certain times of year when sourcing things locally would be a challenge and probably cost more so you'd have to do there would there'd be some trial and error i think over a span of years to get that Absolutely. you know to get it right a good model of might be colleges so like i've taken my daughter to look at certain colleges and even when i was in school I really liked the cafeteria food as opposed to you know high school cafeteria um you know the cafeteria in the dorm um was was great oh and yeah so st john fisher had the best food colleges do i a, gained so much the freshman do a pretty 15. good job right now they're, 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 they're commanding more than two dollars and 85 cents a meal though well yeah that's yeah. A lot yeah. expensive <laughs> right yeah which is probably why but like you know we went to university of rhode island to take my daughter to visit and um man i was like really jealous of like i was <laughs> like jackie you should go here because yeah. this would be incredible <laughs> and um and then again my favorite one of my favorite things about my college cafeteria and they had it at rhode island too was the cereal bar yep just like you know this wall of like 30 different cereals oh. if you wanted to you could mix and match them you can go up as many times as you wanted um i really love the cereal bar my freshman year at school oh. <laughs> I, well it's kind I of like a lot of colleges seem at least historically have done the i call it the wegmans model i guess which is what stations I think. stations right? you yeah. got stations all over the place that's right. what the place um, in rhode island the rhode island university yeah. that's what it was and you know maybe that is the most efficient way to you know I also think that it, it, you know, it wouldn't hurt for school districts or I guess the state, if the state ultimately regulates that, to 
you know, jump in and see where local restaurants would be willing to partner with districts. On you just mentioned things. state regulation. That usually doesn't end well. Yeah. Here well, in New York. Yeah, of course. But, um, but yeah, but you think about the, the quantity every day of food that's coming out of a school cafeteria for, um, you know, all, even smaller schools. It's, um, it's a lot. It's yeah. A, it's a lot to reproduce and, and churn out every single day. And, um, and I think if you did use local restaurants, it would become more expensive. Thousands of meals a day is literally the answer because yeah. we're talking about, you know, even the smallest districts um, in the region serve breakfast and lunch. And, you know, they've got between, say, 400 and 800 students, K through 12. You've got to feed yeah. all of them one to two times a day. That's you're in the thousand range. You know, the medium to large size districts across the Finger Lakes, you've got between, say, 1,400 and 42 to 4,600 students. Multiply that out by two, two and a half, and that's how many meals you're serving a day. It's a, it's a logistical challenge and over a span of multiple buildings. You're not even just talking about, like, right. one kitchen in one place. You're talking about, you know, three, four kitchens. Yeah, here in Sanka Falls, you've got Frank Knight School, Elizabeth K. Scanton School, the Sanka Falls Middle School, and the high school. Those yeah. are four different cafeterias that are operating every single day yeah so it's, it's and then you got to wonder about like on the other side of it how much food waste how much right. uh yeah. waste waste um you know recyclables uh, yeah. that there's like a whole process to it all that we probably couldn't fully understand unless we worked in one of those cafeterias well and i think that's also one of the opportunities with doing the system a little differently i think waste could be cut down in the long term there was a good amount of waste, though, when I was in school with kids that would take food and not eat it. Oh, yeah. So that's where I don't think I don't you're, know, ever gonna you're ever going to be able to like, really prevent that, that part yeah. of it. They would always kind of, I would always venture to kids that they could give me some of their food. Love it. But yeah, that, there's no, just to put a cherry on top of this, there is no plan like this right now in New York right. State. This is just something that we wanted to talk about because it's, it's, popping up in other other parts of the country sounds good and jim will stay with us here after uh, through this commercial he's going to talk about his experience at rose tavern hey you guys are at rose tavern yes i was there you want to stay for this yeah, and give stay. us your thoughts too that sounds good to me the more the merrier i like i like having a big group in here uh, this morning <laughs> on finger lakes today so don't go anywhere we'll talk more about rose tavern coming up soon Dr. Jeffrey Halstead has been Canandaigua's hometown dentist for more than 35 years. Canandaigua Dentistry offers routine dental care, as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures from a highly trained, experienced staff. A proud supporter of local veteran organizations, Canandaigua Dentistry offers veteran and senior discounts, as well as an in-house dental membership program for people without insurance. Dr. Halstead and Canandaigua Dentistry is committed to providing you with personal, professional care. Whether you are searching for a family dentist or a cosmetic dentist, the Canandaigua Dentistry team promises to go the extra smile for you. Stop by the office located at 3240 Middle Cheshire Road in Canandaigua or call 585 394 
1-800-273-5230 to talk with the team today. Visit www.canandiguadentistry.com to learn more and find them on Facebook and Instagram too. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. That's 80 years that DeSanto Propane has been servicing the community. DeSanto Propane is four generations strong as a trustworthy family-owned business, which is why everyone recommends DeSanto Propane. Choose DeSanto today and see why for 80 years, DeSanto Propane has been heating the community with unmatched customer service. Go online at DeSantoPropane.com or call toll-free 1-800-752-4574 and like DeSanto Propane on Facebook for more tips and info today. DeSanto is celebrating 80 years and there's never been a better time to switch to propane to fuel your entire house. Oh, 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 DeSanto. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. Today's program is brought to you thanks to support from Chichino's Pizzeria and Restaurant. Live, laugh, and eat well. It's the Italian way. It's the Chichino's way. Auburn Auto Group. Experience the difference at auburnautogroup.com. Finger Lakes Partners. Insurance for your life, home, auto, and future. Get a free quote at fingerlakesinsurance.com. Little John and Barbie Orthodontics. Celebrating over 40 years. Visit them online at littlejohnortho.com. Upstate Fiber Networks. Fast and reliable fiber internet straight to your home. Check for availability in your area at upstatefibernetworks.com. Midday Miris and Ricky, your hometown personal injury attorneys. Get a free consultation at midaymirisricky.com. Welcome back to Finger Lakes today. Uh, we are still joined by Felicia and Jim to talk about um, Jim's experience at Rose Tavern at the Lake House in Canandaigua. Jim, you had the pleasure of going there uh, over the weekend? Yeah, I've right? been there a few times before. Um, been to the sandbar which is one of the Great places spot. there and and honestly the um lake house is a really cool place it's a kind of an upscale resort um right on the north end we had um some of friends in from the hotel canada which is opening up it looks like it's going to be um similar spot but lake house has been there for a few years and um just a lot of different options there's like a bar called the library there's a bar, the sandbar which is a restaurant bar there's a rose tavern there's like the we were there is obviously january but out back the pool was still open and the hot tub and like the heated pool has all the steam coming off it you'll actually see a shot of it in this review but let, let's i'll show you the review and then we'll talk about it saturday night headed to canadagua for dinner at rose tavern inside the lake house on canadagua what an amazing property of the lake house. Even in late January, they had fire pits going out back overlooking the lake. Their heated pool and jacuzzi had steam rising up into the cool air. And then inside, plenty of different spaces to hang out, like the library where we stopped for a drink for dinner off the main hotel lobby. And then headed down the hall to the Rose Tavern. And the whole property was just bustling with activity. Pretty crowded for a late January Saturday night. Rose Tavern was packed. But huge plenty of room for seating the menu features some great appetizers and the post oak ember fired hearth options which were interesting wine by the glass or bottle great cocktails and draft beer something for everyone on the menu we started with this charcuterie board 
which went great with my glass of red wine. This wedge salad had an incredibly creamy, blue cheese dressing. It was outstanding. And then the star of the show, the squash bisque, probably the best I ever had. They make it with lobster stock. It was unbelievable. One of the entrees, pan-seared swordfish, perfectly cooked, over vegetables. These Brussels sprouts are made with a caramel sauce, which was unique. They were great. And then I stepped outside the box and got the shoyu glazed hamachi collar, which is actually from a yellow tuna up by the neck. It had a full of meat off the bone, but it was great. Something different. And then after dinner drinks, espresso martinis. And for dessert, this apple cinnamon bread pudding with Pittsburgh dairy ice cream. It's kind of like a French toast more than a pudding, but then it was really, really good. And what a night at the lake house what a place it's a little pricey but you pay for the ambiance everything was excellent overall i give it a 9 out of 10 and look forward to coming back yes it was great it was a nice night out lake My house Canada. so there's so many great places around here to eat and that's just another one that i would like to return to um the whole night was a lot of fun um, walking around the facility um, from one from the bar to the restaurant then we went back to the library after and sat in front of the fire for about an hour before we finally left we met some of my friends from a couple of my friends from Rochester um, came down and it was kind of like in the middle between Seneca Falls and Rochester so it was a good night but um, and I don't know if you felt this way it is a little more expensive than your um, average restaurant that serves that quality food the food was great um i think there's a lot of places that serve food that's just as great but maybe not quite as expensive but you pay for the extra the ambiance yeah so i went for brunch actually on a sunday um and my girlfriend that i went with is pregnant so we had like we both got eggs benedict which was great it came with like a side salad that was delicious um it's definitely like a higher end Ex Benedict, you know, it's not like that diner Ex Benedict that you're mm -hmm. used to. Um, but we got that. She got a coffee, and I got one espresso martini, and it was like $55 without tip. Yeah, I'm not going to so, say what I You know, total for a brunch, <laughs> usually I'm used to a higher brunch or brunch bill because of, you know, if people are drinking. But with one drink and, and just those two meals, it was about $55. Did you like the espresso martini? Yes, I did. It was good. But nothing that stands out that you're going to remember. No, I didn't have two, yeah. which normally I probably would. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I the, the ambiance is different. It's amazing. Like, it was my first time, well, second time technically because I did go to the sandbar um, in November. But it was amazing to see the transformation of mm -hmm. both of the places, the hotel in general. Um, I believe that they have a spa there now. Yep. Um, that I've heard great things about. So it was really cool to see. It's a great atmosphere, and it's like a little resort with all of the different things that, you know, they yeah. have. And I feel like I would love to go back in the summer um, right. to see, you know, how the sandbar is, all of those fire pits, and, you know, being outside by the water. Yeah, it's I absolutely beautiful it's, down there Yeah, in the it's so pretty there. Yeah, I mean, to, to I like how everything was up and running, even though it was the end of January. So the fire pits were all lit. Um, you know, the outside pool was open, um, and, and it was just really full of people. And it was interesting too, because I saw a few people I knew there. And I also saw people that I knew were from out of town, you know? So it was, uh, just a really pleasant place to be. And like I said, just a little more on the expensive end, but I think that you have, 
to pay for those extras and that's how they do it in the form of just slightly more expensive uh, prices but from the stuff i ate um I don't know if you noticed that shimoyu hamachi collar. Yeah. Shoyu glazed what hamachi is that? collar. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes when I go to a restaurant, um, uh. I was kind of like, I'm going to get a steak. And the, one of the options was like a 30-ounce, $100 cowboy cut steak. And I'm like, I don't want to eat that much steak. And then the other option was like a Kool-Aid 10-ounce. And I'm like, um. And so I really was kind of stumped on what I was going to get in um I saw this shoyu glazed hamachi collar. So I said uh, to the waiter, I said, I'll have the shoyu glazed hamachi collar. And he's like, oh, great. And um, then I said, uh, "He, I, I'm like, what exactly is that? And he said, it's the uh, bone of a yellowfin tuna around the head. So like the collar um, and it's supposedly the best meat of the fish. And it was, it was great, but it came you saw it on the screen it just uh, you had to take the meat off the bone the fish meat off the bone to eat it and it was kind of hard but but it was really 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 good um huh. not quite filling and <laughs> the thing is i said to our waiter i'm like who, who how many people order this like on an average <laughs> night he goes oh it's very popular it's almost as popular as a salmon and i didn't like push him on it but after he walked away i said you know I've seen lots of salmon. I've seen lots of swordfish. This is walking through the restaurant. This is the only shoyu glazed hamachi collar that I saw come out of that kitchen tonight. And I probably wouldn't get it again, but I'm glad I did just because it was, it was something different. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Um, I didn't leave like feeling like I was going to throw up like I usually do at a restaurant. I had enough to chow down that uh, bread pudding. Oh, that bread pudding. Oh, that bread pudding. With like... Pittsburgh Farm dairy ice cream. Oh. Yeah. That was, that was one of the best things i had but i am glad i got the hamachi collar because it was really really good it was something different how often do you get you can really say you've had it just a lot of work yeah yeah it's like crap yeah you, you know my hands were all greasy from trying to get the the meat and i wasn't even sure exactly how to do it you know it's almost like um you know i don't know like when you're eat crab legs and stuff and you find that really nice big piece of crab meat and you get excited you had to work for it that's kind of how this was i always as i worked through it i'd see find a really nice big piece of meat and i was like oh sweet jackpot you know but um it was, it was interesting because i'd never seen anything like that before um the swordfish that you saw on there was perfect like all the food was really perfectly cooked and i, I have no complaints the quality was great it was uh, the wait staff was great um the cocktails were great they had uh, wine from 680 cellars which i let which i was happy to see and they also had higher end wines that you could get by the bottle um that a lot of places don't have uh i'd go back for sure i would just want to save my money first for a few days yeah <laughs> yeah Nate, what's your favorite restaurant? Now that we're Ooh, my favorite restaurant? Waterloo High School Cafeteria. I do like Waterloo High School Cafeteria. That's a good point. Favorite restaurant? Why oh, you stumped me? Um, I do, in, in uh, Victor, I love, um, oh my goodness, I just forgot the name of it. What? Um, right, back, right across the street from the mall. Um, Not the Cheesecake Factory. No. No. Um, oh, wait, across the steakhouse? Right across from the mall. Not the steakhouse, but like right by there. DSW? I forget what I it is. I just forget now. the name of the name. Olive Garden? No. It's not uh, Beer Project, is yeah, it? Yeah, Beer Project. Oh, beer I oh. love Beer Project. There we go. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> I could not come up with that name. What do you What do you like about it? 
I love the. I just love the ambiance there. Everyone's just in a, in a good mood, especially if you go like in the, in the happy hour time. Everyone's just kind of out of work and, and just yeah. in, in good ambiance too, good feeling, good vibes. So the really food's like really spot. good, and the food's really good too. What do you get there? Um, they got a really fun appetizer. They have like a pretzel that they kind of like hang and they hang and they put like honey mustard, like and a, a bunch giant of sauces. Pretzel. I love the giant pretzel. Yeah, and then oh, usually man, I just, I'm pretty important. simple man. I go with a burger usually. So oh my gosh, <laughs> there's nothing to me like I'm a huge pub pretzel person oh so good like i could just eat a pub pretzel for dinner mm-hmm. with like the stone ground mustard with, like beer the cheese. queso beer cheese whatever just bring it all so to good. me and that's my dinner and I'm, I'm happy to go there's just um ambiance is very very important for any place and yes, when you sure. say what's your favorite restaurant there's just so many different types of places to go yeah. so like you know it's a hard question there's lunch places there's um you know, like Cafe 19 in Seneca Falls is one of my favorite places, too. But that's oh, yeah. not like yeah, a good. dinner. But, you know, I just it's a place you go a lot. Um, downtown Seneca Falls, you got the downtown deli. You got Red Brick. You got El Bajio. Um, those are, like, just places I go a lot, and I like them. But um, this weekend, we're going to Asteria Salina in Auburn. And uh, we'll do a little that's definitely one of your TikTok review. Right? That is my favorite without Which a doubt. Which one is it? Asteria Salina. Yeah, it's um, it's next to Prison City uh, Brewery, and it is it's, that is my favorite because it hits all the marks: the ambiance, the staff, the menu, um, the consistency. Um, and when I mention ambiance, in the summer you can sit right out front on the street, you can sit on the rooftop, um, and in the winter it's always warm and comforting, and it's like a community feel for Auburn. There's a lot of like Auburn regulars that go there. I mean, I I, I love it. Um, and it's not because the food is, say, another level up from a place like Rosalie's and Skinny Atlas or Morrow's Table in Auburn, which I love those places, too. It's just the consistency of it. Consistency. And, and the, every time I go, it's the same. And and it, uh, and the other thing about it, too, is like in the summer, you can roll in there about 10 p.m. and they'll give you dinner, you know. Yeah. Um, I. What are you doing staying up that late, Jen? Well, in the summer, it gets dark at 930, you know, in the middle, you know, at the end of June. And it's like, man, I'd like to go out to dinner, but. um, Like off till 930, right? So we take a 13 minute drive to, it takes about 13 minutes to get there from Seneca Falls. Um, You're just driving fast. No, you're driving, (laughs) it's about 13 minutes, 13 to 15. When Jim's hungry, he's got to switch it to high gear. They also have great wood fire pizzas, but this isn't an Osteria Slime review. That'll come next week. (laughs) That'll come next week, and I'm pretty sure it'll be positive. But when I do these reviews, I just review it on that particular evening. So I could go back to Rose Tavern a couple months from now when I've saved up enough money, um, and and it might be a different review rating. You never know, but I mean, good job, Jim. I'm certainly interested. I was actually looking at the menu, and what would I get? I don't know about Tavern. Yeah, I was looking at the menu, and I'm like, hmm. I'm curious what your favorite restaurant is because you experience Rochester like I did. So I go through. I'll I'll keep this brief because I know we we should wrap things up. But that was a loaded question, Felicia. Not gonna lie, I'm really glad you asked. I didn't know if you were gonna say Tony D's. Well, mm, so lately, recently, I've been. When I say obsessed, I mean like weirdly obsessed with the the Gatehouse Caesar salad, the Ellison Caesar. They make homemade breadsticks, homemade breadsticks. So they're like mozzarella sticks, except they're not deep fried. It's bread that they make when they, and they put, it's like this big 
you put mozzarella cheese in it and you get that on the side of the salad. It's just the crispiest lettuce, this delicious dressing. I mean, the tiny little pieces of the, the pasta and then the cheese that they put on it has like such a unique flavor. It's not a normal like run of the mill Parmesan. It's like a really sharp creamy and flavorful parmesan i mean i literally got it like three days in a row i got it for my birthday dinner um i think favorite restaurant there's some like a, a go-to for me is sejuan opera on park avenue i love la casa i love john's tax max oh, yeah. um you oh, know tony d's is good but i i'm a i'm just i'm a gatehouse person right now like Damn i man. could just go gatehouse Go Gatehouse or go home. It's kind of <laughs> where my mind is. Park Avenue Rochester has a lot of fun restaurants, too. It does. Yeah. I like Furoshiki. I mean, there's just the Rochester. One of the things that just drew me to the Rochester region, and I think that includes the Finger Lakes, is within 15 minutes. Of, there's so much. There's so much. And it's it. good food. It's just the restaurant scene here is pretty amazing. So on that note... Really quick, Felicia, what's your favorite restaurant? And um, then we're wrapping it up. I have two. My favorite two are Pane Vino and Monroe's in Rochester. I haven't tried either one of those Rose. places. Hey, Pane Vino. Um, I'm writing it down. Recently. Yeah, I think but you it was... go. Remember I told you you have to go. There's two Pane Vinos. Ponte. The one that I love is the original, which is down on Water Street. Pane Vino and what Pane was the other one? Vino, P-A-N-E, oh. and Monroe's. You need to go to both Monroe's of those like as soon as ASAP. ASAP. I'm up for the challenge. For my, last, for my last thing, there's a place called Lulu. I think, I don't know where it is. It's Brighton or Victor or something like that. Those are two totally different places. But they have a, the cheesy, you know when you go to Taco Bell, they have the cheesy gordita crunch. They have like an upscale cheesy gordita Ooh, crunch. Yum. It is one of the most delicious things I've ever experienced. Sounds amazing. The Lulu cheesy gordita crunch. On that note, that is going to do it for this edition of Finger Lakes Today. We will be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Josh and Sydney will get you ready for the day. Until then, be sure to check out FingerLakes1.com for the latest online or download the FingerLakes1.com app for breaking news updates delivered right to your smartphone or tablet. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow morning.